Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching a special message, so grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Hebrew poetry does not rhyme. Instead, their poetry consists of joining two sentences or phrases together or by saying something twice, just a little bit differently. So putting seek the Lord and call upon him in the same sentence is saying the same thing, but different. Are you following me? It tells us that one way to seek the Lord is to call upon him. Now, how do you call upon him? You call upon him real simple in prayer. Write it down. Call upon God in prayer. And you pray with your voice. You pray with your voice. The Hebrew word for call means to voice. It means to call out with your voice. And when you call out with your voice, we call that praying. Psalm 118 and verse 6, David says, In my distress, I called upon the Lord and cried to the God, to God for help. That's another parallelism, another parallel expression. Called and cried. Psalm 118.6. Or pardon me, Psalm 18.6. And then Psalm 105, verse 1. Oh, give thanks to the Lord and call upon his name. That's another parallel expression. Calling upon and giving thanks to him, which again is saying pray. Now, I should hope that we Christians are calling on the Lord in these very important days. I should hope. I should hope that we are lifting up our voices. Listen to me. Look at me. I should hope that we are lifting up our voices and praying for our communities. That we are lifting up our voices and praying for the inner cities. That we are lifting up our voices and praying for the president and the vice president. I pray that we are lifting up our voices and praying for law enforcement. And praying for the world. Praying for people who are angry and bitter. Pray for them. Love them. They're angry and bitter. Being angry and bitter is not good for them. Are y'all hearing me? Pray for them. Some of them are angry and bitter and they don't know why they're angry and bitter. I'm telling you, I talk to them, I know. Why are you angry and bitter? I just am. Why are you so upset? Oh, I just am. Well, what's going on? Well, this, that, and the other. It's all. It's how you feel. I feel angry and bitter. We got to pray for that. 
Can you all say amen? amen? Some angry and bitter, and they shouldn't be. I would think that people are praying, I don't hope that people are praying more now than ever, amen. even in this time of crisis. Unfortunately, a lot of people only pray in a time of crisis. That's the truth. And that's unfortunate. F.B. Meyer. F.B. Meyer was a friend to D.L. Moody, and he was a Baptist pastor. And he said this. I love it. The great tragedy of life is not unanswered prayer, but unoffered prayer. Instead of it being something we do every day, like breathing, eating, walking, talking, prayer seems to have become like that little glass covered box on the wall that says break in case of emergency. Isn't that true? Don't get me wrong, nothing wrong with praying in a crisis. But it is better to pray when there is no crisis, right? I'll wait. Why? Why? Because that's what we're commanded to do. We are commanded to pray. And I know that we, oftentimes, I think we only pray for that which we are comfortable to pray with. God help me. We only pray for that which we are comfortable to pray for. The Bible tells us that we, I'm only talking to Christians right now, that we are called to pray. This is what we are commanded. Do you understand that's a command to pray? Prayer is not a suggestion, Greg. Prayer is not a, a, a option, Jay. Prayer is a commandment. We ought always to pray. Are you? Grandma, I know you praying. God knows if, ain't nobody praying. Grandma Betty praying, all right? <laughs> Y'all better hold on to when she pray because God will be listening. <laughs> God, that's why I'll get Grandma Betty to pray for you because I know God going to hear it. And you're going to be healed. That's, gonna, that's done deal. You might go home and be healed today. I mean, <laughs> you might come running up in here. Pastor Ronnie, it's all gone. I'm like, praise the Lord. Let's call Grandma Betty. Give her the good news. Take your pen. First Timothy chapter two, verse two. We ought to pray for those in authority. Take your pen. Ephesians six, 18. Praying always with anybody know all prayer and supplication in the spirit being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Jude one twenty. But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Now, let's get a little bit of context here, saints. Isaiah prophesied to Judah and Jerusalem, and he was warning them that God would bring the Babylonians, you know, to swoop down and take them into 70 years of Babylonian captivity if they did not repent. And if they refused, they might not get another chance. So seek the Lord and call upon him while he is near. You see, there's a sense of urgency of time, of decision to seek God. God was ready for the people to seek him, but they procrastinated. Procrastination on a decision to seek God is a very dangerous thing. And might I even add this? Procrastination is a tool of the devil. It's a tool of the devil. Listen at this fictional story, Calvary Chapel. Have you heard it before? Hold on. William... 
Barclay tells this fictional story, I love it, of a meeting held by Satan with his demons. And they were trying to figure out how to trick people into eternal damnation and separation from God. So the first demon said, tell them that there is no God. No, Satan said, all of creation declares the reality of God. People are too smart to deny his existence. A few idiots might get sucked in, but not the masses. The second demon said, tell them there's no hell. No, Satan said, people understand there needs to be retribution and judgment. People won't buy that. And the third demon said, instead of saying no God and no hell, tell them there's no hurry. And Satan responded, that's it. Go and tell them that there's no hurry and we will ruin them by the thousands. You see, it's sad, but so many have lost their sense of urgency that the Lord is coming soon and they're not prepared. And that's really unfortunate because you do not need to be a Bible scholar. You do not need to be a theologian to look at the world and see what's going on in the world and then just simply listen, my friends. Open your Bible to Matthew chapter 24 and just read it. It looks like you're reading the front page of the newspaper today. Are you following me? You don't need to know. You don't need to look very far. We need to have that sense of urgency. Procrastination is not good. 2 Corinthians 6.2 is the accept now is the acceptable time of the Lord and now is the day of salvation. Hebrews 3.15, today, if you will hear his voice, don't harden your heart. Don't presume that you'll always hear the Lord. Seek his face now. While there's still time, somebody say amen. Number two, seeking the Lord means forsaking your wicked ways and your thoughts in verse seven. Let the wicked, go ahead and look at it. Let the wicked forsake his ways and the unrighteous his thoughts. Now question, who are the wicked? Who are the wicked? Final answer, everyone. Everyone. Jeremiah 17, 9 says, the heart is desperately wicked. Above all things, who can know it? The heart is wicked. The Bible doesn't say the heart is wicked. It says it's desperately wicked. No one has a good heart. It's a misnomer. You know, we say it all the time in our culture. We say, bless their heart. Bless their heart, you know. And you know what? I learned this about the South, too. None of y'all, because ain't none of y'all from down here, all right? We're all from somewhere else, right? But folk down here, boy, they can, you can say anything you want about anybody. And it's not considered gossip. All you got to say, preface it with, bless your heart. Bless their heart. And then you just run them in the ground. That's a little... I'm just trying to help y'all, so I don't want you to be gossiping and getting in and all that, all right? I'm just trying to make sure that you, you're not sinning. So you just say, bless they heart. And you got to say it like that, heart. And if you say it, then, then, you, then you're free. Just say whatever you want. The heart is not good. Nobody's heart is good. 
Well, I'm a good person. No, you're not. Amen. Y'all mighty quiet. What, you think you're good? No, none of us are good. There's none righteous, not even. Right? Very important. Very important. Listen, in order to seek God and get, very important, in order to seek God and get a positive outcome, you've got to forsake your wicked ways. You have to be willing to forsake the things that you know are displeasing to God. You got to be willing to give up the things that you know offend God, not give up the things that offend you. You know, different people have their, like what I call their offense scale. Like what offends me may not necessarily offend you. And what offends you doesn't offend. Everybody has their own offense scale. Like a drug addict is more offensive than an alcoholic to some. Or homosexuals are more offensive than people who gossip. Than people who tell lies. People who speak with forked tongue. So we, we, look at, we look at people's sin and we say, well, you know what, that, that, that's bad. You know, we, 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 look at, we look at gossip in the church as a very deadly thing. And yet somehow we, we, we seem to accept that and even some embrace that and even others welcome that. I ain't talking to nobody. And then we look at somebody who's transgender or homosexual. Oh, well, wait a minute. God does not like that behavior. Well, that would be true. But God also doesn't like the behavior of gossip and lying. And judgmentalism and censorious. He don't like that either. And religiosity, he don't like that either. Okay, I could preach all day on that, but I won't. So we, we, we got to be careful how we start scaling out sin. And who we think is more sinful than another. God says in his word, for all have sinned, y'all come on, help me, and fall short of the glory of God. All, Calvary, Calvary, all means all, and that's all, all means. <laughs> it just felt good. I don't know why I said that. <laughs> all mean, come on. All means all, and that's all, all means all. Everyone is a sinner. Sin is in everyone's DNA. And if we're going to seek the Lord, are you listening to me? We got to turn from our wicked ways. Say amen. You can't be seeking God and participating in things that don't please God. And many people believe they are seeking God and they are not. You know, people don't believe this. Listen to me close. People do not believe that sin separates us from God. People have lost that nowadays. It's like, I was thinking about it yesterday. I'm thinking, you know, people now, now it's like more common. I'm against statistics. Y'all know I like my facts. It's more common. People living together now. We call that, we used to call that shacking up. Three people. We just call it shacking up. Folk be shacking up nowadays. It's like a common thing. Like, hey, well, you know, let's be roommates and all. So expensive, keeping your own place. Let's just go together and split the bill. That'd be one thing. Except you got a one bedroom. Uh-huh. Y'all got really quiet right there. I'm going to leave that alone. Okay. I feel you. All right. 
It's still true. Sin separates people from God. Sin separates, take your pen. Sin separates us from fellowship with God. Now, we're not talking about losing your salvation, saints. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the feeling of walking with God and being close to God. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Sin separates us from the blessings of God. So not only from fellowship with God, but also the blessings of God. When we're in sin, you're not in a place of trusting God. And when you're not trusting God, you won't see the blessings of God. Sin separates us from, write it down, the benefits of God's love. Fellowship and blessings and benefits of God's love. Like the prodigal son whose father loved him. But he didn't enjoy the benefits of that love when he was out in the world and in sin, right? And in sin separates us from the protection of God. Sin doesn't separate us from the love of God because nothing shall separate you from the love of God. But it certainly does separate us from the protection of God. You understand? Sin separates us from church. I mean, let's just face it. When you're walking in sin, the last place you want to go is church. It happens. Sin will keep you from, separate you from the Bible. Sin will separate you from the Bible. It was John Wesley's mother. Her name was Susanna. And it is said that the Bible that she gave her son, in it she wrote, Sin will keep you from this book or this book will keep you from sin. Talking about the Bible. Sin will separate you from the Bible. So we need to seek the Lord and forsake our wicked ways and our thoughts. Say amen. And then finally, number three in our outline, seek the Lord. What it means, we rely on God's wisdom and guidance. Can we look at verse eight, nine again? Rely on God's wisdom and guidance. In verse 8 and 9, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. I love this verse. I love this verse, and I love to remember this verse. Because it tells us that God's thoughts, listen to me. God's thoughts and God's plans and God's ways and his strategies are infinitely higher than mine. And God's thoughts and plans and ways and strategies are infinitely better in every way than mine. Can you say amen? You know, we get in a lot of trouble when we think that God thinks the way that we think. When we think that God thinks the way we think, we get in a lot of trouble. Somebody once said that God created man in his image and man has been trying to return the favor ever since. That's true, isn't it? We try to create God in our own image. God is sovereign. God is omnipotent. That means he's all powerful. And God is omniscient. That means he knows everything there is to be known. He can't learn anything. He doesn't discover anything He never says, I never knew that. He never says, "Uh uh-huh, I get it. He knows everything. And we can trust his wisdom. And we can trust his guidance. 
because he does know everything. Proverbs chapter three, verse five and six. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Oh, that's on the screen. Y'all come on, read it with me. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. Take your pen. Trust. Let me add that verse for a second. Can I add that verse for a second? Trust means to take refuge or to have confidence. In other words, no matter what the world says and what the situation might be, we should take refuge and we have confidence in the Lord. And don't try to figure things out on your own. You know, the number one problem I've seen as a pastor is I find that people have a difficulty trusting the Lord. And it's really interesting because these same people do not have a difficulty. They have no problem trusting man. Am I right about it? People have no problem trusting man. People have a problem trusting the Lord. I've said this before. There is a huge amount of trust in going out to eat. There's a huge amount of trust. Do you know what they be doing in them kitchens? There's like an unspoken pact with people in restaurant business. They had the three second rule. Y'all know what that is. If it hit the floor, you can pick it up in three seconds. It's good. It's not good. That's gross. You don't know what they be doing in the kitchen. I, I saw something yesterday. Me and Miss Elvira were looking at it. And I saw something yesterday and I, and I said, you know what? That just made me not want to go to a restaurant ever again in my entire life. You don't know what they're doing. People trust all kinds of things. Many can trust a restaurant, but they can't trust the Lord. You can go to Golden Corral and trust Golden Corral, but you can't trust the Lord. You need prayer when you go to Golden Corral. You better pray over that intestine. You better pray. You don't know what they be putting in their food. And I hate it. I used to go. I don't go anymore. Because I remember the time that I decided I will never go to this place again. I'm standing there where they cut the steak. You know, they cut the steak in the middle. And then they got all the other foods over there and all the other foods over there. And I'm standing there cutting the steak and the kitchen door is right behind where they cut the steak and the prime rib off the thingy. So I'm waiting for my steak and he gives me a little piece and I should have just left then. I'm not, I should have just said thank you Jesus and went on and ate my little steak. No, I said... You know what? Can you put a little bit more on there? <laughs> you act like you bought it. Put some steak on that thing. <laughs> I paid my seven ninety nine. I'm gonna get my money worth of food. Y'all know when you pay seven ninety nine and you get all you can eat, I'm gonna stay there until I put on some poundage and I'm wearing my sweatpants because I need room. So I'm standing here waiting on my steak. He's cutting the steak, and then they open the kitchen door. And I saw on the kitchen, back in the kitchen, and I saw the floor. And it was, ugh, it was awful. It was, uh, <laughs> it was disgusting. They had, it looked like garbage on the floor. They ain't walking through the garbage and bringing food out. I'm like, I am getting, I'm like running up out of there, y'all. 
like cartoon type running up out of there. You know, when you, your legs go up off the ground, they turn like this here. And you, <laughs> you, you, anybody know what I'm talking about? You running up out of there. No, ma'am, no, sir. Oh, we can trust Golden Corral, but you can't trust the Lord. Somebody say amen. You trust all kinds of things. You trust doctors. You have surgery. He's giving you drugs. They're cutting on you while you sleep. Amen. Y'all know I'm right about it. Trust airplane pilots. They fly you across the country. Did you give that pilot a breathalyzer before that plane took off? You did not. I don't know. He might be drunk. I don't know. Using drugs? I don't know. But the point is, there's trust. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at one 800 293-0923 That's 1-800-293-0923 You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.